you please take your copy of God's Word and turn to Revelation chapter uh, 22. Revelation chapter 22. So if you want to go to the back of your Bible and just turn until you get to the, the last page of the sacred text. Uh, Revelation chapter 22. Uh, Lord willing, as uh, we finish this text today, we'll be walking through um, how God is going to close things up at the end of history. Uh, those of you who have been uh, here know we've been kind of working through Revelation systematically. Uh, those of you who are, are here for your first Sunday, we welcome you. And what we typically do here on Sunday is we take a passage of Scripture and walk through it verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. And you have come and we finished the end of the Scripture. It's Revelation chapter 22. Well, this time, please stand as we prepare our hearts to hear God's Word. Hear God's Word. Revelation chapter two, 22, beginning of verse 6. And he said to me, These words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. And I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, You must not do that, for I am a fellow servant with you and your brother, and your brothers the prophets, and with those who keep the words of the book. Worship God. Amen. Please be seated. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for being kind uh, to us, to being a God that, that inclines his ear to the righteous. And because we are righteous in Christ, God, we bring our request before you now. God, we pray now that you would be with those who are hurting in our midst. Father, we do pray that you would continue to be with Dave Thomas, God, as he's trying to figure out uh, his lack of energy. God, we pray that you would strengthen him. Father, we thank you for his, his winsome um, spirit. We pray, God, that you would just continue to have him be a blessing to his family. But, God, we do pray for strength in his body. Father, we thank you for Olin and Louise and just their, their battle for this cancer. We thank you how, how Olin continues to have that joyful spirit as he looks towards that day. God, I pray that you would just strengthen him uh, each and every day, Father. As the outer man wastes away, I pray that you would renew the inner man day by day. Father, we also just pray for uh, Miss Barbara as she is battling sickness. God, we pray that you would heal her. Lord, we pray for Miss Terry Moore, God, as she's just dealing with um, a broken leg. We pray, God, that you would just heal her body, God, that you would strengthen her and through, her, through the rehab. Father, we pray that you would be with Harold as, as he cares for her. Father, we also just pray for uh, all our, our teachers and students who are, are finishing up uh, the school year. God, we pray that you would be with, uh, be with them. Father, we thank you so much for how you have used them this year. God, we, we especially thank you for our first-year teachers, God, and just the, the time that they poured out to their teachers. We pray, God, these last uh, few weeks would be a, a special blessing to them. Father, we, we thank you so much that you are God that is bigger than um, our church, God, bigger than our town, bigger than our, than our country. So, Father, we pray that the gospel would go forth in the world today. God, we pray for the gospel to go forth in Brazil. Lord, we, we know that, uh, that you love the hearts of all peace peoples. As we even read earlier today, that declare your glory among the nations. God, we pray that you would raise up people to go to Brazil with the gospel. We pray that that land would be full of sound churches, that you would protect them from um, the false teaching of the prosperity gospel that is so prevalent. Father, we also ask that you would be with, with our nation. God, we pray that you would be with uh, our president. Father, that you would give him wisdom as he leads. God, we pray that you would give him a humble spirit. Lord, we know that you hold the hearts of kings in your hands. So, God, we pray that you would be uh, with him, Father. We also just pray, God, that you would make um, our nation, God, a nation that 
desires to know you, God. Father, our nation is continuing to grieve. We pray specifically for the families dealing uh, with loss in Texas, God. Just time and time again, Father, we hear of these shootings, and our hearts are just grieving, Lord. Father, our hearts with the saints throughout the world say, Amen, come, Lord Jesus, Father. We are sick of the pain, the sickness, and the death in this world, God. And yet, God, we know that you are patient, God, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. So, Father, we pray that while we are still here, we would be faithful to share your word. Father, we also just pray that you would be with uh, other churches in our town. Father, we pray that you would be with Pastor uh, Chad at North Rock Hill today, God, as he preaches your word. We pray that you would build that congregation up more and more into your likeness. Father, we pray that as his first several months in, uh, in the church, God, now that his family's back, we pray, God, that you would just help that church flourish under Christ. Father, now as we come to this time when we hear your word, we pray that you would first soften our hearts. God, we don't want to have anything in our, in our lives, in our, in our minds, that we were resistant to your word. So, Father, as I announce your word, we pray that you would preach through me by the power of your spirit, that I would decrease, that you would increase, Father, that the name of Jesus Christ would be exalted. God, we thank you so much for uh, the book of Revelation and everything we've learned from it. God, we thank you so much for the picture of who Jesus Christ is, the Lamb, uh, the Lion of the tribe of Judah the root of David, the bright morning star, the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. God, the list could go on and on. And we are so grateful that the ones whose name is above every name is our God. God, and you have shown us through your word that one day we will be in your presence. And our God will live with us and we will live with you. God, we pray as we close this book that our hearts will just be full, Lord, and that we, with a long um, with the Elder John and all the saints throughout history would long with an amen, come Lord Jesus. So God, we pray that you would create a longing in our hearts for your coming. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Worldwide famous rap artist MC Hammer once said, Sweetness is my weakness. Well, sweetness is not my weakness, but what is my weakness is video montages. That's a great opening, is it not? We're expecting that. Um, I can have no emotional connection uh, to a team or to a story, uh, but if I watch a video montage of almost anything, I can start to weep. Um, I once had the desire to plant a church in Detroit, Michigan, because a car commercial was set to cool music that said, bold moves happen every day. I looked at my wife and I said, do you want to plant a church in Detroit? She goes, was that because of that commercial? <laughs> it was. I have weaknesses that easily can stir my emotions. Dads and their children, the military. Imagine my fragile emotional state with a video montage of military dads returning home to see their children. I really am a glass case of emotions. Every time I see these on my news feed, I always click. And I did even this morning in preparation for this message, and I was crying at 4.10 in the morning. I can't look away. Tears start to flow. I love seeing those children living in their normal everyday lives 
and immediately see the change when they see their, their father. They stop everything and they run to their father and throw their arms around him. After months and months of waiting, their surprise at his coming and extreme joy then follows. I have yet to see a video of a father coming home after a long deployment where he sees his children and his kids run in the opposite direction. Why? Because his children long for his return. They are usually other people in the video, but they don't run to the father. They merely watch because they do not belong to the father. They have no longing or emotional connection at his return. Uh, they, they, the key for the joy in, the, in those moments is the belonging to each other. The children belong to the father. The father belongs to the children. And since they belong to one another, it is right and good for them to belong together. Fathers should be with their children and children should be with their fathers. I think one of the reasons why I love fathers returning home to their children is, is because of the picture I get for the joy that should be among the saints at the return of Christ. Jesus has gone and prepared a place uh, for us. Jesus belongs to his people and his people belong to him. And it is right and good for God to be with his people and, his, and the people to be with their God. And Revelation, the end, promises his return. Jesus is coming soon. And when he comes, what will be your reaction? Will you be like the child running to his father after a long deployment? Or will you be like a child running from his father after breaking a window? Running to or running from? We know what will happen then when we look on how we are living now. We know what, how we're going to respond at the end of history when we look at our hearts and how we are living for the Lord now. Are we running to the Lord every day now? Or are we running from Him? Until the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray that we will have the heart of the Apostle John and say, Amen, come Lord Jesus. And when we say, Amen, come Lord Jesus, we are acknowledging the truth of the entire book of Revelation. Uh, when I first put up the outline together, I had, Amen, comma, come Lord Jesus. But that's not what the text says. At the end, in verse 20, it says, Amen, period, come Lord Jesus. When we say, Amen, we say, I agree with everything that has been said so far. When we say amen in the Bible, what we're saying is amen. I agree with everything the Bible says about the person and work of Christ. So what are we acknowledging? What are we saying amen to as we finish this book? The first amen is we say, come Lord Jesus in promise. Come Lord Jesus in promise. Um, this past week I was waiting for someone at a, at a restaurant uh, for lunch. Uh, I thought we were supposed to be there at 1130, so at 1135... You kind of look at your watch, you go, huh, oh, he's probably running a little bit behind. At 11.10, you start to get a little antsy. You're kind of wondering, will he really come? Should I text or, or call him? Then at 11, 11, after 20 minutes of waiting, you're kind of like, he's not coming, right? There's no chance he's going to come. I should just go home. You've been there, right? To how, how each minute passes, your, your longing and your skepticism starts to, to wane. Well, likewise, many believers... We're very confident at the return of Christ shortly after his ascension. One year passed, and they were still confident. But as one year turned into 30 years, which now has turned into past 2,000 years, people start to doubt whether Christ will return. Now, we know that Peter says that the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises, 
For one day is a thousand years, and one thousand years is as one day. God is patient. God makes it very clear in Revelation that he is, he is still coming. He's coming very soon. Look back with me in the text, Revelation 22, verse 6. God's word, and he said to me, These words are trustworthy and true. Right there you see this declaration of, of truthfulness and trustworthiness of this prophecy. Let no one be mistaken. Jesus is coming soon. Now remember, in the audience of the first century, they were starting to be marginalized, and they were, they, were, they, were being, they were starting to doubt, will my God come? And this book was written to say, yes, he's coming, and he's coming soon. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. And I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, you must not do that. I'm a fellow servant with you and your brothers, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book. And simply worship God. So Revelation 22.7, that blessing right there, should be a reminder and an opening charge of this letter. It kind of provides a bookend, in a way, from the beginning of the book. So Revelation 22.7 says, Behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Revelation 1, verse 3. Blessed is the one who reads and allows the words of this prophecy. Blessed are the ones are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. So right there, at the beginning and at the end, you have two of the seven Beatitudes, or blessings, in the book of John. If you read through John's Gospel, there are seven I am statements about the person of Jesus Christ. And in Revelation, you have seven blessings, very specific. Now the goal is not only to be amazed at the glory and power of God in Revelation, but to obey God. To obey God today in light of His coming. Our obedience today is how we worship God. Christian worship, Christians worship God through obeying Him in every area of their lives. Worship is not merely the singing that happens before a service. It's not only what happens here in this entire gathering, worshiping through giving and through the, through the Word. No, every part of our lives. So Romans chapter 12, verse 1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And 1 Corinthians 10.31, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, whatever you do, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. I think a lot of Christians kind of, kind of obscure the full worship of God by limiting worship to a, a Sunday morning at 11 o'clock. We worship by giving our resources, our time and our money to the Lord. We worship by testifying to the Lord, by not compromising in the workplace. We, we worship not by filling our minds with worthless things throughout the week. We worship in how we eat and how we drink. We worship God in everything. Now why? Because the text says Jesus is coming soon. Are you living in the worship of God? The promise of Jesus coming should encourage us to keep going. How, how can we can easily get discouraged? I don't know about you, but you know I've been. And this is the sidebar, but I've been really trying to do some things in my life in certain areas, 
and it feels like I, I make one, one step, make, make progress, and then I start falling back again. I make progress, and I start falling back again. Listen, y'all, it is hard to, to not get discouraged in life. But one of the things that we see in the coming of Christ, that because he's coming soon, it gives us encouragement and, and urgency to keep pressing on. All our efforts for the Lord Jesus will be rewarded. Continue to, to pray for your wayward children. Continue to, to, to disciple people. Continue to, to teach Bible studies. Continue to witness to your co-workers. Continue to grow in your knowledge of God. Press on. Why? Because Jesus is coming soon. Do not grow weary in well-doing, for you will reap a harvest at the proper time. The second thing that we ask, we agree to, amen, come Lord Jesus in judgment. Come Lord Jesus in judgment. The coming of the Lord Jesus should not only encourage us to continue worshiping, for those of us who, who know Christ, but it should also encourage us all to repent for whatever sin is in your life or those of you who are here who don't know the Lord. This is a consistent theme throughout the book. Look at verse 10. And he said to me, Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Which is the opposite of Daniel in our, in our scripture reading today. In Daniel chapter 12, it says, seal up the words until the end. Here it's saying, don't seal them up because the end is near. Let the evildoers still do evil and the filthy still be filthy. The righteous still do right and the holy still be holy. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Salvation always comes with judgment. As Christians say, Amen, come Lord Jesus, we are not merely saying, come and save us, but we are also saying, come and judge the world. You can't say, Amen, come Lord Jesus, and only think about God's love. Because God is not only love, God is also wrath. He's also one that comes in judgment. You see this old word, recompense, is a word is not often used today. What does it mean to repay or to compensate? Or make amends. God will repay each one according to what he has done. Now, friend, if you're not a believer, I mean, what, what, what does that mean to you? What does it mean that God will repay you for what you have done? Many who hear that question only think that God will reward you for the good that you've done in this life. And probably many of you here have done good things. Uh, there's a lot of non-Christians who have done a lot of good things for the world. Why? Because everyone has made in the end of God. And because we are all imagers of God, we all inherently do some things good for others. But it also means that God will repay you for what you've done wrong. The Bible calls the things that we do wrong sin. Sin is an affront to God's goodness and his character. All sin, even if it's directed towards a, a spouse, a child, a friend, someone you don't know on the road, that sin is ultimately against God. Friend, have you ever considered what this means for you? That God will repay you for your sin against Him. One of the things my college football coach used to say is, Keen, the tape doesn't lie. A lot of times we'd be watching film and the tape would not lie. If I thought I was doing well, I would realize very quickly that I wasn't. Well, friend, one day the game film of our life is going to be played. And it will not lie. Everything will be exposed. 
And are you ready for that film session with the Lord? The third thing we amen in this text is, Amen, come Lord Jesus in blessing. Come Lord Jesus in blessing. The only hope for any of us in the return of Jesus is if we belong to him. We have all sinned against the Holy God. We all deserve eternal sin. The sin of Adam, which we have all partaken in, has banned us from the tree of life. Genesis chapter 3. And even though we all deserve death, the amazing thing is that God has made a way. God has made us a way back to the tree of life, back to himself. Without Jesus Christ, everyone is outside the heavenly gates. But with him, God has given us access. Look at verse 14. This is the last blessing of the, the book of Revelation, of the seven. Blessed are those who wash their robes, so they may have a right, the right to the tree of life, that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs, the sorcerers, and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. Just hear that last beatitude. Blessed are those who wash their robes. Friends, we wash our robes in the blood of the Lamb. We can't fix our sin. We can't cover it up. We can't erase it. And yet Jesus has come to pay for it on the cross. He died in our place. Jesus is the Lamb who was slain, who made peace through the blood of His cross. If anyone repents and turns from their sins and trusts in Christ and then calls on the name of the Lord, they will be saved. They are blessed because they, are, they have been given. They haven't taken, but they have been given white robes. The wedding garments that have prepared for the marriage supper of the Lamb. We can take part of the tree of life and enter the gates when we come to Christ. We can only come through Him. When we worship God through His Son, we are cleansed of our sin and forgiven. We've been wrapped in the righteous robes of Christ. One of my favorite prayers to pray for our church. You probably heard me pray it numerous times when I invite people into to membership is the end of um, Colossians 1, when it says that, that God has, uh, really, what, 12 through 14, that God has rescued us from the domain of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the beloved Son, where we have redemption the forgiveness of our sins. Friends, that only comes through Christ. We're allowed to enter into his kingdom, into the heavenly gates because of what Christ has done. The only way into the heavenly city is, is through Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the love. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, if you just kind of read that verse, most people today would, would hear those words as harsh and exclusive. How dare can Christians say that Jesus is the only way? But I think they're missing the whole point. God has made a way for sinners. If God doesn't make a way, there is no way. No one deserves it. Everyone deserves to stay outside the city because everyone is filthy and everyone has worshipped false gods. Everyone has sinned against a holy God. And yet God has made a way for sinners to come to Him. Do not miss this. God has made a way for sinners to come into His presence and live forever. Through repentance and faith, we belong to God through Jesus Christ. And Jesus belongs to us. 
We can look forward to, to Christ's return because we belong to God. Just like a child belongs to his father. We can look forward to that day and when he comes, we can run to him, not shrink back in, in fear and shame. We don't have to fear anymore because we have been washed. I love how Paul puts it in 1 Corinthians 6, 9-11. He says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor greed, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Almost similar to all those folks who are outside the city gates, who are not allowed into heaven. But that's not where he ends. Praise God, what does he say in verse 11? He says, And such were some of you, but you were washed you are sanctified. You are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. We have been washed. Friend, have you been washed? Do you know Christ? The Bible says, blessed, blessed. Happy are those who have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. The fourth thing we amen to is we say, amen, come, Lord Jesus, in name. Come, Lord Jesus, in name. Uh, I kind of said it during our prayer today, but there's a, there's a lot here uh, in Revelation of the name of God, the character of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, my wife and I were in, in, in a subway earlier this week. Uh, we were in line, and uh, the lady next to us kind of heard us talking and uh, heard that we were religious people, and she started asking us uh, questions. And she said she was Catholic, and she asked if I was a Baptist. After proudly acknowledging my Baptist convictions, uh, she said, some Baptists don't like us, but I believe it's the same Jesus. So I heard that, and there was a part of me that wanted to say, yes. And yet there was a part of me that wanted to say, I'm not so sure. Of course there's only one Jesus. But it's the only the Jesus that is revealed in the Bible. Jesus identifies himself very clearly at the end of this letter. We've already seen him identify as the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the, the last. Jesus is eternal. He's the eternal Son. And here, he identifies himself as the fulfillment of prophecy. Revelation 22.16 I, Jesus, have sent my angels to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and descendant of David, the bright morning star. Both of those are allusions to Old Testament text and that Jesus is the Messiah. So we see from Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1 and verse 10, There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from its root shall bear fruit. And that day the root of Jesse shall stand as a signal for the peoples. Of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. Also Numbers 24, 17. A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. Both these show that Jesus is the Messiah, the Savior of the people. But not only that, it also shows that he has the power to judge the wicked. Old Testament promises of the Messiah also have this idea of him coming to bring judgment. Now there's only one Jesus, but there's only the Jesus that revealed in the Bible. Uh, the 12-step program, for example, says pray and seek a God as we understand him, or a God of our own understanding. There is no God of our own understanding, but only the one true God as revealed in the pages of the Bible. We trust the name and the character of God because He, he, is, because he is trust, 
um, because we trust the trustfulness and clarity of the Word of God. Jesus reveals his identity throughout this book. He's the, the Lamb of God, the, the, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, the bright morning star, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the Son of Man, and the Son of God. As you read through this book, you saw a picture of who Jesus Christ was. It teaches about God's character through the name of God. When we say, Amen, come Lord Jesus, we are saying, come in every way that represents the name that is above every name. The name in which no other name under heaven which men can be saved. For we know at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. So we say, Amen to his name. Five, we, we say amen to his word. Amen, come Lord Jesus in word. The word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing soul and spirit, bone and marrow, relieving the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. The word of God is sufficient. It is perfect without error. The word of God should be shared to all who have ears to hear. Look at verse 17 through 20. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty, Come. But the one who desires take the water of life without price. I warn everyone who hears the words of this prophecy of this book, if anyone adds them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. If anyone takes away from the words of this of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come. Lord Jesus. We should desire the coming of Jesus. All Christians should. The church that belongs to Christ should say, Come. The Spirit who lives in us says, Come. And we should invite others to come. Now, there are many dangers that we face in this life. One of the greatest dangers is when we stray from the Word of God. It is adding to the Word of God or taking away from the Word of God uh, that has, has brought many into um, serious danger, eternal danger. There are many who add to the Bible or twist things. Um, Mormons, Jehovah Witnesses, so, or they, they say some of what the Bible says, but either add to it or take away and twist the entire message. You know, this past week I was thinking about uh, my wedding, and I remember driving, uh, you know, on my way home and giving giving directions to Adam Kozlowski from the airport. I was giving him directions coming down from the airport, and uh, I told him to uh, take a left on uh, India Hook from Selenese, and and then I just didn't tell him. And then I just 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 stay straight on India Hook, and I think you'll eventually get to to the church. Well, I forgot to tell him that he needed to make a turn. <laughs> so instead of turning on India Hook, he stayed on her long, and he just kept on going. And uh, he did not make it to the rehearsal on on time. One wrong uh, piece of information gave us the wrong destination. If you add or subtract anything from the Word of God, you may not make it to your desired destination. God wants you to come to Him by His whole Word. I think the greater danger for American Christians is not to add things to the Word, but to leave things out. So at the royal wedding, uh, Prince Harry and... Uh, Meghan Markle, Bishop Michael Curry, delivered one of the most viewed sermons of all time. I watched it through closed caption while I was running at the gym. Um, 
there's many of you who are watching it at home. You know, he highlighted the love of God. The wonderful speaker stirred the hearts to, to hope and to something almost wonderful. As one of my friends and pastors, Derek Kell, he says it this way. He says, I say almost wonderful, not because I could find any flaw in his presentation, but because there was an essential truth absent from his message. Why Jesus really died. At the pinnacle of the sermon, the bishop said of Jesus, he didn't sacrifice his life for himself or anything he could get out of it. He did it for others, for the other, for the good, the well-being of others. That's love. Jesus would say that the bishop told the truth. But hear me, not the whole truth. And the part he left out is the essential to understand what true, what love really is. If we're going to talk about love, we must talk about true love. That the sinless Son of God died a gruesome death to take the judgment for sinners like you, me, Bishop Curry, the prince and princess, and everyone else watching deserved. Jesus did not die to warm our hearts or inspire, inspire us to feel love towards others. Jesus died because we did not love God and are destined to an eternity apart from him in judgment. I think that wedding sermon that many of you probably watched was a perfect example how the church squandered the opportunity to invite the thirsty to come to Jesus. I even heard one commentator say that Bishop Curry brought us to church several times during his message. And he may have brought us to the church, but not to the church of the New Testament. We may have brought some one of the most viewed sermons of all time, left out the best part. He did not preach Christ crucified. Cal continues, Jesus would say the bishop left out the best part. Jesus' love is since the cross where he died for people who did not deserve it. He then rose from the dead and calls former rebels to become his bride, who know his love and show his love to all people. And the news gets better. There's a fast approaching day when Jesus will return to take his beloved bride to himself and celebrate a great wedding feast in heaven with her. Today he's given good news that if you will turn from the sin he died for, you will be invited to the royal wedding in glory. Not as a guest, but as the bride. Now that's true love. Beloved, do not add or take away from the gospel of Christ. Share the truth, but share the whole truth. The world desperately needs to hear it. Lastly, we say amen Come, Lord Jesus, in grace. Come, Lord Jesus, in grace. Revelation is not primarily a book to ensure you understand all the inner workings of prophecy or even all the exact pictures of the end times. Uh, the, the book of Revelation, as, as the word of God is itself, is a book about grace. It's a message of grace. The Bible ends with the main message of the entire book. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. Friend, we are sinners deserving of eternal judgment. And God has given us grace in His Son. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ is the only way we can persevere during our trial. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ is the only way we can fight against sin. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ is the only way that we can get into God's presence in heaven. Salvation is all about grace. Salvation is all about God's grace. We cannot earn it. We cannot buy it. We cannot work hard enough to get it, we must receive it. Salvation is all about grace. Salvation is about the gracious God who gives grace to those who didn't deserve it for the glory of his own name. 
I pray that here at Park Baptist, we will always be a people of grace. But that grace that will never stop with us. I pray that we will be a people who desire the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, as it says in this letter, to be with all. We want to have this grace extended to the, to the Pharisees and the fornicators, to cowards and kings, to the filthy and the faithless. We want grace to say, come, come to the weak and the wounded. Come to the tempted and the tempter. Come to the hurting and the hungry. We want to say, come, experience the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, we want the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ to be with all and for all. So we all can say, Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Heavenly Father, we thank you for um, the Lord Jesus. God, I thank you for this book. I thank you how it has refined my own understanding. I pray how it has sharpened my own heart. And God, I pray that not only that it just helps us learn more about you, but God, I pray that this book would help us live in obedience to you, that we would worship God with our lives, understanding that you will come one day to judge, but God, that you will come one day to bless your people who have washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb. Oh God, let the grace of Jesus Christ be with all. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Uh, at the end of this book, it ends with grace. I don't see a fitting, uh, more fitting end as we finish this book to sing a great hymn of the faith, Amazing Grace. Please stand and sing 330.